Last Handful of Clover, a novel by Wes Mongo Jolly, read by the author. Book Three, The Stone in the Stream. Chapter 37, Down the Rabbit Hole. June 16th, 2.20 p.m. At that exact moment, as Richard and Justin were disappearing into Howard Gunderson, a spray of automatic gunfire mowed down a dozen people on South Temple. Pill, Keith, and Billy were working their way east with the crowd, and they were less than three blocks from the hospital when Pill heard the shots. At first, he thought it sounded unreal, like a string of firecrackers had been lit a block ahead. The surrounding crowd, which had been surging steadily east, all froze in their tracks, as if the sound had turned them to stone. Only their heads moved, swiveling desperately from side to side, looking for the source of the gunfire, which echoed from the buildings as if it came from everywhere, all at once. And then the screaming started. Dropping to a crouch and instinctively raising his tire iron, Pill looked back and saw Billy standing behind them, searching the crowd in every direction. They had just passed the Wasatch Elementary School on their right, but Pill couldn't see any sign of gunfire coming from that direction. The playground was mostly deserted, since the crowd around them was walking up South Temple itself. But any one of a dozen abandoned vehicles could be shielding the gunmen, so that meant the shots could be coming from almost anywhere. At that moment, a second round of gunfire went off, and this time Pill got a clear bead on the direction. It was from directly ahead of them, and less than a block up. And even as he whirled in the sound's direction, he saw people falling as that distant row of people dropped like bags of flour and the rest ducked and scattered. What Pill saw terrified him. Two elderly women were advancing toward them, both carrying what looked like automatic weapons and both walking quickly and steadily forward. Once again, shots rang out, and this time Pill could see that both women were firing at once, like two knights on the back of a chessboard mowing down the pawns in their way. The two women looked like they could have been school teachers or social workers. And Pill had an instant to wonder where they had found such enormous firepower. But they were marching rapidly toward the crowd and already stepping over the first of the dead bodies in the street. Barely three seconds had passed, and already the crowd had fallen into a panic. Almost as one, hundreds of people turned and started bolting back down South Temple in the direction from which they had come. Mothers were pulling or carrying small children. Fathers were trying to shield their sons and daughters with their own bodies, and others, still unaware of the location of the shooters, were actually running directly toward them. Pill grabbed Keith by the belt and pulled him toward the playground, fifty yards behind them, thinking at the very least they could get clear of the crowd, when Billy yelled, No! Pill! Not that way! Stay with the crowd! They're picking off the ones on the edge! Billy was right. 
The woman on the left swung suddenly toward the sidewalk and took out a half-dozen people who had made a dash for a side street. The other was already picking off some of the crowd that had surged into the parking lot in the direction Pill had been ready to run. The possessed women were herding the panicked crowd back toward downtown. There were easily still a couple hundred people between them and the shooters, but already the crowd was so packed that people were tripping and smashing against each other in their desperation. If someone stumbles, we're all dead, Pill thought, tightening his grip on Keith's belt. Nothing's going to stop this crowd. They'll run right over us. They were right across from the playground when the thing Pill had most feared happened to a couple with three small children in front of them. The father stumbled, and he went down with a two-year-old in his arms. He didn't release his wife's hand, and he pulled her down with him. The crowd swept away the two older children as the first of the panicked boots and sneakers trampled the three on the ground. In seconds, others fell as well, causing an instantaneous pile-up of bodies. The screams of those being crushed were the only sounds that seemed louder than the automatic gunfire, which was growing quickly closer. But then, Pill saw something that at first confused him, but suddenly clicked into focus. At the edge of the playground, there was a white concrete structure. One exactly like it was on the other side of South Temple, and Pill remembered they were the entrance and exit to an underground passage which students from the elementary school used to avoid having to cross the busy street on their way to the playground. It was small and dark now, with all the lights dead, but already the crowd was surging toward it. Billy! There! Pill screamed, pointing with the tire iron. Billy was still close, but already he had been battered by the crowd that was running so madly around him. He looked stunned, terrified, and disoriented. Even as Pill watched, a fat man ran right into Billy, knocking him to the pavement. Pill recognized the man named Gordon as his great bulk and momentum blew past, leaving Billy stunned on the ground. He's going to be reset, Pill thought in terror. One boot heel in the center of Billy's chest, and we'll be on our own. He reached his free hand toward the boy, knowing that if he could get a hand around his wrist, he could pull him above the crowd. Get up! Pill screamed, and Billy shook his head and, and rolled to the left, just in time to avoid being trampled. Pill felt himself being pulled toward the underpass by the crowd as the gunfire drew ever closer. A woman directly in front of Pill went down with a bullet in her chest and a string of slugs traced themselves across the white concrete of the underground passageway that was now just two feet away. This way, Keith was screaming and pulling Pill toward the dark opening. But now the crowd had recognized the relative safety of the passageway and the movement of those around the pair had shifted like water to a drain. Before he could even resist, Pill realized they were being carried toward the dark concrete entrance. He turned back, just in time to see Billy make a, a bounding and almost superhuman leap into the air, and the boy came down on the heads of the crowd that was surging under him. For a strange moment, 
The boy with the straw hat stood on the heads and shoulders of the crowd that was surging under him, looking like a surfer, trying to keep himself up on a violent wave. Hill felt the sun blocked out as the crowd pulled him into the underground passageway. Billy! he cried, and he saw the boy, for one last second, reaching out, as if he could grasp Pill's wrist and pull himself to safety. Then he felt the floor drop out from under them, and they were falling in a tangle of bodies down the concrete stairs and into the tomb-like depths below. The last thing Pill saw before darkness closed around him, and he and Keith tumbled in a waterfall of screaming bodies into the dark, was Billy losing his footing. The boy disappeared headfirst into the trampling feet and crashing bodies, and then he was gone. Even as Pill fell, he kept one hand wedged tightly into Keith's belt and the other around his tire iron. They hit hard on top of a pair of wailing teenagers who wriggled away. But more bodies were surging in, and in seconds they were buried under their weight. The way out of the tunnel was now blocked by bodies that choked the entrance, and only a meager light penetrated. Pill wrenched his head around to try to see the other end of the tunnel, but that too was blocked. He was now covered with writhing bodies and overwhelmed by the stench of their sweat and fear. From both ends of the tunnel, the gunfire began again and Pill did his best to wrench his body and cover Keith, who was moaning and writhing under him. Pill felt more bodies falling down upon them, and hot blood poured down into his eyes and mouth. He realized with horror that at least one of the women with the machine guns was now standing at the entrance to the tunnel and firing into the wedged-in bodies below in long and steady bursts. Only the fact that he and Keith were too far into the tunnel for the bullets to reach saved them. An occasional round snapped against the concrete above them, and Pill heard, rather than felt, the shower of plaster. Pill covered Keith with his body, waiting for the gunfire to end, trying to bear the weight of those above him with his arms so as to prevent Keith from being crushed. He squeezed his eyes shut and waited for a bullet to end their lives. You're listening to The Last Handful of Clover, a novel by Wes Mongo Jolly. If you're enjoying this audiobook, please consider supporting the author on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash wesmongojolly. And for more information, check out the author's website at wesmongojolly.com. That's W-E-S-S-M-O-N-G-O-J-O-L-L-E-Y.com. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for more episodes.